and and artists are so scared of like losing their jobs but they for they they, they don't give themselves enough value it's like you're not an artist because you can paint you're not an artist because you can draw you're an artist because maybe you look at the world a little bit differently and you see art and everything right so those skills translate to other things i don't think they're just because you can draw So, <laughs> red light, red light. All right, so this is the most impromptu episode of the show ever. Oh, perfect. The least amount of planning that has ever <laughs> gone into an episode. And we don't have much recording time, so mm. we're capping this at like an hour 20. Yeah, but you know, I think that's a good time for a podcast. And I think today with us, we have the guest who wants to talk about the most. <laughs> yeah, well, I forced you to do a podcast. So we've been talking about it we've for been, six months. Well, see, last year in December, I promised you and my brother that you would be the first episode of the year. Wow. I don't know why I promised that to two different people. Yeah. And it's been a blatant lie. Have you, wait, did you do your brother? No. Yeah, see? And it's, it's taken 11 months, but here we are. This is why it's impromptu, because I was like, we're doing it Monday. Let's La- go. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Scott, the real Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What's should up, I, buddy? Should I introduce myself first, or do you just kind of... You know, that is actually the first introduction I've ever done. Oh. But, yeah, because um, you just go right into yeah, it. Yeah, I usually just yeah. go right into it, but here we are. Here we well, are. Well, usually I'm more prepared when the guest shows up, and then I just get a little small talk, but you've been watching me set up for like an hour. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's 8 p.m. right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I really want to talk to you about like technology and stuff. That's why I was so excited. I was yeah. like, I was like, especially with all the AI stuff coming out, which we'll yeah, come, get to. come a little bit closer. Yeah, because I know we're gonna get to the AI, the AI stuff soon, but um, yeah. there's just so much stuff happening right now. And it's yeah. like Zane, we gotta do the podcast. Well, so basically, for anybody who doesn't know you, you're a filmmaker. You. Mm-hmm direct write shoot and i would say the thing people know you most for is visual effects but i know that you kind of push back against that because you don't want to you don't want to be like a visual effects artist you want to be this all-encompassing guy yeah i think that's fair i well i got into it because i thought you know oh this is like a hard skill it's sellable like you could get work more often than if i wanted to be a director or you know a, a cinematographer yeah. So I'm kind of glad I did it though because uh, it's kind of taken off and like so many people are interested in VFX now. Like even our friend Chuck, like now he's been messing with like yeah. 3D a bunch. It's been really cool to see Chuck like messing yeah. around. I, I mess with him sometimes. Like he'll post something, and I'll be like, "Why are you messing around? We could be making amazing things." Oh, what do you mean? What do you mean? Why he's doing? <laughs> no, no. I'm really happy that he's doing it. I'm just so happy to see people I know yeah. getting involved in Blender and Maya and Cinema 4D. You know, it's funny because like looking back, Chuck actually did do that a bit in film school i remember freshman year he was in the lab once and he was like using pictures of all the sides of an iphone and then he was trying to line them up in after effects to us and then parent them all together so so he was basically making a 3d object using like stills oh fun which was kind of interesting and then he did another short film called relative where i remember we filmed like an apple on a green screen and he had it like floating. So I remember there was a handful of times he like tried his hands at Yeah, so like, he's always he's always been interested in like techie stuff too. Yeah, like his work wasn't like super centered in it, but like I don't know, looking back, he, he was he was doing that. He was dabbling. Yeah, no, he's well rounded too. He does a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, Chuck's great. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I do. Yeah, I do VFX, but um 
it's funny because I started in skateboarding videos. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, when I would get hurt, because, you know, everyone gets hurt eventually, and then you have to heal and then go back to it. But I remember I loved skateboarding so much. I was like, how do I keep skating without skating, you know, when you're hurt? And I was like, oh, I'll film my friends doing lines and doing tricks while I'm hurt. And then when they're hurt, they'll film me, you know. So I got really into filming my friends skate. And then I got into, like, YouTube because of Freddie W. Yeah. And uh, Brandon. And they obviously kicked Corridor Crew into, like, becoming a thing. And yeah, kind of just domino affected from there. But I ended up really loving uh, their stuff. Like, I remember my sister and I were sitting on the couch. And we were just scrolling through random videos. And we clicked on this one where Freddie had a video where it was guns and the muzzle flashes were flowers. Oh, that's and they cool. were like blooming and as they were shooting each other, they're flowers. And I thought it was so cool. And I looked at all this other stuff and then Quarter Digital came out maybe like a year after that. And then they had like dubstep guns and yeah. I think it was like time stoppers or clock stoppers. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. But um, Clock blockers. Yeah, clock blockers. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I didn't really know about Corridor Digital until Josh introduced them to me in mm-hmm. college. But later on, I realized that in high school, I saw dubstep guns because it was just a viral video that mm-hmm. people were showing. Yeah. 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 It was super cool. That was a good age for you because I, was, I didn't really get into YouTube as like an entertainment source until college. Mm-hmm. Like I, if there was like a cool video to go watch on YouTube, maybe I would go see that and then like never rewatch it. But I wasn't just like on there. But the more I've kind of, oh. the more I've kind of, yeah, like I really wasn't. But the more I've like gotten into it and kind of learned of its history, I realized that like the 2010s really was when like a lot of original filmmaking stuff was like yeah big on there. And I, I feel like I kind of missed out on like a golden era. Well, so there were a couple. So like 2007. And, you know, 2007, 2008 was, like, a really big time to be on YouTube for a while. Uh, there were a lot of big people at that point in time, like Smosh and uh, Nigahiga. And um, there, were, there were a whole bunch. But then around 2000, like you said, 10, 2012, was, like, this new era of people, like, more filmmakerish people kind of coming in. Instead yeah. of it being, like, homemade videos, these people were coming to me like, look what you can do. You can do all this cool stuff. And, uh, no, both of those points in time were like really good times to get in yeah and um i remember dan kind of was making a lot of stuff during that time too and we both were like so mad at ourselves because we started college and then didn't have time to make videos anymore and we didn't put it as like the important thing to do and now i'm like no i should have kept making videos because right. they were actually doing okay <laughs> we'll see what's fun how we met is i i went to film school and i felt like the only other filmmakers i worked with was like my fellow classmates because i got really lucky to where my graduating class who i was with the whole time in college like we all were very motivated to make films but we didn't really know any like underclassmen or upperclassmen so in other words we weren't working much with adjacent people and then we wound up working at the same media studio. And I, yeah. I feel like you guys had just gotten like the first model of the Ursa Mini. It had just come out, which was like the most cinematic mm-hmm. looking camera that any student could get their hands on at the time. And I remember you were editing like probably your uh, film uh, Ultimatum. 
Yeah. And I remember looking at it and I was like, wait, there's students at this school who know how to make stuff look like a movie? Where have you been this whole time? And I was really excited to be friends with you guys because you were nice and actually knew what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. No, Dan and I fed off each other pretty well. Um, no, he got the Ursa and I remember... I decided not to get books for a class and instead used my money to buy my drone. Yeah. So I was like, I'll pass the class. I'll find a way, you know. I'll just borrow a book. I bought, I borrowed the book from Conrad. I can't remember what class it was, but I, we didn't even need the book. It just was like a $200 book or something crazy. And I was like, no, I'm buying a drone. So I did that. And then, uh, yeah, so we got the Ursa and we got the drone. So then we were making like a lot of crazy weird stuff. One of our friends actually bought a textbook from the on-campus store he came home and set up his tripod and he <laughs> took a picture of every page and it took him like an hour and then he went and returned it and got a full refund that's way you do it yeah <laughs> no they're absurd stuff's getting way too expensive school's expensive books are expensive houses are expensive yeah can you speak up for me a little bit yeah. up yeah i can speak up all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no oh yeah i want to talk to you about since we're on the topic of YouTube, uh, did you hear about them uh, doing the paywall for 4K? Yeah, that pisses me off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so for anybody that doesn't know, there's been rumors that... Is this tr is it confirmed true or just a rumor? People have been saying that you're going to have to pay to upload 4K videos from it, now on. It sounds like that's what they're planning on doing, but I was on like a Linus Tech Tips video. Oh, wait, hold on really quick. Ah, uh, yes, the computer. Yeah, I just realized I need to put that to sleep so it's not noisy. Dun, dun, dun. We're back. But, hey. yeah, no, I I was on a Linus Tech Tips video, and I was basically saying in the comments section, I was like, you know, if they're going to do this, they have to fix the compression rates on HD video. And 1440p, because if you upload anything that's a screen recording of, like, a game or a screen recording of your computer or a VFX shot, the compression just kills it. Especially in like the dark areas of the video, you can see it's like blocky and not very good. Yeah. And like motion is really bad. If they're going to paywall 4K, they should fix the compression rates first before they do that. Well, for anybody that doesn't know what the hell we're saying, basically like when you upload a video to somewhere like YouTube or Twitter, you're uploading it to their server and then they have to compress the video so that it can actually be on there with the millions and millions of hours of other videos that are uploaded to the site. And different websites yeah. compress different ways, and that's why maybe if you've ever uploaded a high-quality image to Instagram, it winds up looking bad, and you're like, why does it look that bad? And it's because you uploaded a huge picture that then got compressed a lot, and now it looks bad. Yeah. But the thing is, that they, you're right. Like They have their own compression way of doing it. So not only do you compress your video yourself when you render it out, then they compress it on top of that. So they usually have like optimal rates that they tell you to compress at first before you upload it. But their compression rates that they have are just really bad. But 4K has a better compression rate. And yeah. that's why it looks so good. Everyone thinks it looks better just because it's 4K. But no, it's the compression rate. They compress it less. And so if they just offer better compression rates for HD and 1440p, then frankly, yeah, they can save the bandwidth and they don't really need the 4K. But until they fix that... I, I, I'm against it. I'm like, no, fix that first, then implement that. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, you just reminded me, I actually started filming this podcast in 1080p and then exporting it as 4K. And mm -hmm. that's really counterintuitive because obviously you're stretching the video bigger, which means you're making it like lower quality. But something you told me this and Joel Haver told me this was that oh. if you do that, 
ironically, even though you've just kind of made the image quality like technically worse by exporting it bigger than it is, because YouTube compresses 4K video better than it does 1080, it winds up looking nicer on YouTube than if I just kept it 1080 the way it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I actually forgot because I'm recording 4K on both of these cameras right now and I totally forgot it could be on 1080, but oh well. Yeah, well <laughs> that's okay. I mean, yeah, so even if you do like blow it up to 4K, there's a lot of like upscalers that are pretty decent now. Like, yeah, it stretches it out a little bit or like, you know, it makes it a little worse, but yeah, like you're saying, the compression rate, it still just looks better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of experimenting you can do to get um, optimal image quality on YouTube. I remember when I made my lyric video for like this 100 Gex song, it was a very colorful After Effects export. And I remember you helped me troubleshoot exporting it like 12 different ways because it kept looking terrible on YouTube and eventually we figured out some export codec to where it looked correct mm -hmm. um, and that's not something you have to run into too frequently but every now and again you finish a video and it just looks like dog shit on YouTube and you gotta like tweak your export settings and yeah and most people don't have patience for that and no. <laughs> so you'll you'll see really big artists or youtubers upload stuff to YouTube yeah. And it, it looks good because it was shot on a nice camera and it was lit professionally. But it's like if you really like scrutinize the pixels, like there's like a lot of just fuzzy nonsense going on that's like lowering it in quality. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I most people just want to be able to hit a button and it, you know, and that's the way it should be. Hit a button and it works. And yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's so many different like formats to keep track of. And it's just like more things to have to worry about. Which, yeah, uh, my brain is so filled with VFX stuff that the last thing I want to worry about is compression rates and resolutions. But here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, what sort of technology stuff is exciting you right now? Oh yeah, I want to talk about the AI stuff. Yeah, exactly. that's why I'm here. That's what I want yeah. to geek out about. Yeah. So you, yeah. Uh, I think one thing about you is that you're just always really excited to try out new technologies and like just spend hours oh, yeah. on it. Oh, yeah. No, I, I browse like all over GitHub uh, and GitHub's like this really nice repository of just tons of different like open source uh, code or things that people are sharing. Like a lot of stuff that's on there is from like universities or like studies that people are coding to see if it works um, and just doing a test and sharing it with the world to expand on it and have other eyes on it. So one question I want to ask you about GitHub and trying out these new technologies is, so I've always been a person where I feel like I'm a bit more savvy with technology than the average person, but then there's this huge gulf between me and someone like you and some of my other friends who like know about really advanced stuff. And I feel like anytime I've wanted to learn like something on Photoshop or Premiere, right? I can usually find some sort of step-by-step -step manual, so to speak, whether or not it's a YouTube tutorial or an article. And then some of these new technologies, I really don't know where to start because I feel like there isn't, like there's some of these new technologies, there isn't even a tutorial on how to do it yet. It's people like messing around. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there's been technologies I've wanted to learn, um, maybe for like making visual effects art, for instance. 
but it's a GitHub project and I don't even know where to start there. So for instance, does it require knowledge of coding and things like that? Like how do you start with a GitHub project if you've never done that before? So it depends. Like some GitHub projects are very well documented. So you just read it and they have a really good, you know, how to underneath it. That'll say like, just make sure you have this, install this, do this. And, you know, you fiddle with it a little bit. You might run into a couple problems. But if you just keep reading it and figuring it out and messing with it, it works. Some are not documented well at all. So I've I've had some GitHub projects where I'm, like, up and running. I'm like, this is great. This is amazing. And then there are other times where I have a GitHub project and I'm like, I hate this. I, I want to quit. Uh, but then you just keep trying and you figure it out. But you learn a lot of stuff along the way. And, like, I've been trying to learn Python uh, for a few years now. And I've picked up things here and there. And I've even tried making some of my own apps and things like that. But I still don't know, you know, a ton. Like, I'm not a master at it. I can't just, like, type it like it's a second language. Like, yeah. I just know it off. I, I run into syntax errors all the time. I forget things. Um, so with a GitHub project, like, what's step one? Do you download, like, a zip folder of files? Yeah, so, like, the easiest way to explain it is... Okay, so you know how, like, when you're making a website with Squarespace, this is not an ad or a sponsor for Squarespace. I wish it was. Give me money, Squarespace. I've made, <laughs> like, like, three websites. But I know you use it. So I'm like, okay, you know how Squarespace gives you presets? Yeah. So with coding, you have, like, libraries. And you have these libraries that you import at the top of the file. And they're basically, like, pre-made setups that other people have coded already so, like, if someone wanted to make a user interface with buttons and make it easier to use it instead of just being in a prompt window, you know, um, they could use a library to do that because maybe they're spending all their time coding the actual core of the application. They don't have time to, like, go line by line coding all the UI, too. So, usually when you're on GitHub, there will be a list of dependencies, and those dependencies are libraries of code that they tell you you need to install through the command prompt. So you basically just install it, and then you install that one, that one, that one. It tells you the dependencies. They usually have like a text file in there to tell you which ones you need. You install them all, and hopefully, if you do it all right, they're all installed properly, it should just run, and you should be able to just use it. And hopefully, they've added some kind of UI functionality, because when they don't, that's when it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> so... So a UI is a user interface. So yeah. it's like when you're using a program, like literally like you're looking at the program and there's buttons to click and places to type in. Yeah. That's like a UI. Yeah. And you're essentially describing things that are so new that they don't even have a UI to work Some with. You're, you're just in a prompt box with a bunch of code and you need to interact with it to get results. Yeah, there's a couple different ways. So like you could just be right in the command line interface and it'll just say like hit enter and you have to put in the information, maybe put your files where you need them and hit enter. That's like the most bare bones level. And then you have uh, some people use like a little custom UI with little buttons and things like that. And then what people have been doing lately though, especially with stable diffusion is a web interface. So it gives you a local IP. So it's still running locally on your computer, but it's using like your web browser, like Chrome or whatever you use. Uh, for the UI and this thing called Gradio and Gradio could also be Gradio. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but uh, it's basically a library that looks really nice that has all of the sliders and buttons and things like that. So then the coder, all they have to do is integrate that into their core application. And so there's this really nice version of stable diffusion. That's the one I've been using that I've been showing you images with that yeah. uses that web 
interface so it's a lot easier to like work around it and other people have coded like extensions for it and it's it's crazy so here's where i get confused like i feel like you're explaining the macro level concepts of how this stuff works as far as like zooming in and being like okay step one i have to do this step two i got to do that where do you find that information like is there an article somewhere or are you like how do you even know to do the things you're describing well, a couple ways. Like I said, if you go to a GitHub project, yeah, it'll tell you. Or if you run into problems, I just read through a bunch of other people who've had issues. And sometimes there'll be conversations on like, GitHub of people like confused, like, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? And some people will come in and answer and I'll just read through a bunch of forums of that. Gotcha. Or I'll use a little bit of the Python knowledge I have from like other mistakes that I've made and other things before. So like you're looking at a .py file and you're like, how do I run that? Yeah. And like some people run it through a web UI or some people run it through Google Colab or some people run it through this thing called Jupyter Lab, which is another web interface. It's just like making a lot of mistakes and messing with so many different GitHub projects mm -hmm. that I just kind of fall backwards into these solutions. And I'm like, oh, that's how you do that. All right, I'll try to remember that for next time. Yeah. I, th I think one of my big weak suits is that like I'm very good at following like instructions that are right in front of me. And when it comes time to sort of be creative with integrating knowledge I have of coming up with my own solutions that no one's telling me, that's where like sometimes I get really confused because I feel like, I think I get kind of obsessed with doing something the exact right way. And some, some yeah, me too. And sometimes like with these things, you kind of have to figure right. it out using. Well, it's also easy to like get stuck in the tutorial mode because I do that all the time. Like, oh, there's not a tutorial for this. What do I do? And I think we're so used to having a tutorial for stuff that I kind of get excited now when I'm messing with something and there's like no information on it. Yeah. I'm kind of like, ooh, I'm like one of the first people to mess around with this. I kind of like that no one's talking about it. Like even Corridor Digital did like a video on nerfs. I don't know if you watched that. I haven't yet, but... Yeah, I had nerfs saved in my GitHub library for like months. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, he's already messing with nerfs. I was like, dang it. <laughs> So uh, uh. Just, just for the context of people watching this probably have no idea about any of the things we're talking about. Really? Well, so like, who are most of your viewers then for this? It's, I, I, assume I have no it's filmmakers. I don't know. I mean, most people subscribe to me are because they liked my video essays and they're taking a chance Those on this. Those are kind of like filmmakers. But, I feel but like... I'm saying like when you say nerf, people are thinking of the toy. So, so explain what that is. <laughs> <laughs> nerf. <laughs> not, not the gun. No. Uh, it's a neural... It's like neural interface field I, it's basically like photogrammetry which if people don't know what that is it's like where you take a bunch of photos of an object or a space and then you put it in a program and it patches all together and makes like a 3d representation of that right uh it's like that but it uses way different technology to do it um and it creates like depth maps which are really good for it's basically a way for the computer to read like distance mm -hmm. something's close or far away which is super useful for uh, visual effects shots. Yeah. Um, no, the Nerf thing's crazy. But there's so much stuff happening right now. Like, it, like I was messing around with this other technology, this this new GitHub um, real-time, like, Mac creator. Like, it, it'll, you can just be in front of a camera doing whatever, and it will make a pretty good, convincing uh, rotoscope mat. So in other words, the, without a green screen. Yeah, so it's like you know a green screen is there, so you can just pick out the color green. Yeah. And now there's technology that it's just like, 
understanding that's a person and it can just like auto get rid of the background even though there's not a green screen yeah which is it. nuts and like we already have like rudimentary kind of crappier versions of that with like zoom right? well even they like t- well there's a lot of tiktok filters yeah. now that'll or like uh, filters yeah it's like these tiktok filters like they'll automatically you know green screen you out and obviously it doesn't look super good yeah and and you know maybe a lot of young people are like taking for granted like how crazy that is i think so <laughs> <laughs> i think so because there's like oh it's a filter i'm like no man <laughs> no there was so much math that went behind making whatever that is yeah and it's even crazier some of the the github versions that i've been finding are just uh, I'm gonna have to show you after the podcast like some of the crazy stuff that I found. Like it's, it's amazing. Like I'm so excited, and I think yeah. a lot of people are really scared about all this new technology. As someone who sits behind a computer so much, just having to fine tune things like that, to be able to just do it means I can spend so much more time being a filmmaker again, and not a, a coding wizard or or an IT person, which is not why I got into this, you know? Yeah. That was just the side effect. It was like, oh, you want to learn visual effects? Okay, it's hard, and you have to learn computers. All right, well. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> I think the classic story is like, you know, scientists and technology people, they come up with these new groundbreaking solutions, and they want it to, like, make things better for humanity. And then there's, like, people like you who want to use these tools to, like, make making art easier, and then people are, you know, worried about the evil uses, you know, like, for instance, yeah. like with deep fakes, um, you know, like you and I like knew that one person where their Instagram got hacked and then they posted and then the hackers posted a fake video that was very convincing of them in their car taking a selfie video saying to invest in a crypto and their face was yeah. a deep fake and their voice was a deep fake. And it's, that's it's that's funny, like you funny you bring that up. I have something to maybe tell you after the podcast about that. That might not be the full story. Oh, really? I met someone, the same exact thing happened to them, and they said, no, that wasn't a deep fake. How do you mean? Like, it was actually them? Mm-hmm. What are you saying? Like, there was a person who... So remember... <laughs> well, I don't want to get, get in too much detail, but remember how they said it was like someone they trusted and knew to give them the information, like to get for the account? Well, the same thing happened to someone else I met. The exact same thing with the crypto and talking in their car. And I'm like, what? I mean, I'll have to tell you afterwards. It's well, you, crazy. Well, no, no. Explain. You don't have to say who it is. But are, are you basically... What are you saying? Like, are you saying that someone... It could be possible it's a coincidence, but it was the exact same scheme. So... But are you saying that your friend told you that they actually recorded a video of themselves making a crypto video? So and they, they got tricked into doing it. And oh. so I asked him, like, well, why would this other person lie about it? Why would they say that they were deep faked or it wasn't them? And they were like, probably because they feel ashamed that they were paid to do it and then got their account stolen. Because mm. what they said happened to them was that they got paid $100 to do this video. But what they actually were doing was selling their account to them, essentially. And they got tricked into doing that whole video. And that makes sense because that video looked almost a little too con convincing like i know deep fakes are getting crazy but that was like spot on yeah and they were a small channel there wasn't enough data to probably create a deep fake that good sure so that's why i'm like there weren't they weren't a big instagram channel with millions of views and tons of photos well i guess here's what i would say whether or not the people we know either way it's a crappy thing to do to somebody and it is possible and it is yeah it's scary um and it's only going to get more and more possible as we move on because it's getting it's the exponential growth of this technology is just 
I love it so much. I'm just like, everything's getting crazy. This is so cool. I'm not, it's I'm a not, wild west. I'm not going to lie. It <laughs> scares me a lot more than it makes me excited. But, mm. like, it really does. But the more... And mostly because I think that our... And like, we don't got to talk too much about this. But the main reason it scares me is because I feel like our government and other countries' governments yeah. are so not up to speed about, like, what to do about this shit that it's kind of now the Wild West for people who want to take advantage of others using technology that is not well understood or well reported on. That's yeah. what scares me about it. I mean, that is true. It is... I guess I spend so much time doing the fun part of it yeah. that I don't... You know, it is scary, but people are constantly trying to come up with ways to fight it, too. So, like, even when you do... Yeah, it's kind of inevitable. Like, there's ways to add watermarks to an image without seeing the watermark. Like, for some of the stable diffusion things, you can enable watermarks on those images. Well, here, let's... uh, So, you know that they're stable diffusion images. So, yeah, you brought up stable diffusion earlier. Let's explain what that is really quick. So, a lot of people know about Dolly 2. So, you know, a few months ago, it became, like, a big trend on Twitter where people were using dolly mini and dolly Mm -hmm. mini if you guys saw this was you know kind of you could type in anything and it would create an image of it but it was kind of low quality and then a lot of people found out that now there's like a like that was the mini version and now there's a main dolly that can make very photoreal images of anything you type in and it's like wow that's crazy and there's other um image creating ais besides dolly like stable diffusion uh yeah no okay so which is maybe scarier, but people do you want to do it for it. free? Do you want to pay them for like a hundred images? No, I didn't think so. So you use stable diffusion for free. You just learn a little bit of how to run a Python program and bam, free stable diffusion. You don't got to pay for it. All right. Or you <laughs> fork it, sell it as your own product and then make money on it yourself. <laughs> So, so yeah like so like, and then there's the other one mid journey which is that, also that paid. one's worth paying for in my opinion oh, okay but only maybe like once or twice just to kind of <laughs> goof around with because that one is trained on a completely different set of images like if you want something that looks really artistic and super cool yeah their version four that they came out with is incredible like i might actually just fork over 10 bucks or whatever just to goof around with it um, I haven't because <laughs> I haven't yet because this is so crazy. It's like Inception. It's with AI within AI. Uh, there's a stable diffusion model that has been trained on mid-journey images. Oh, that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, no, it's crazy. People are going crazy with this. So I, I love it. So I guess for like anyone who has no idea, still just kind of confused. So like, for instance, one of the first things I made on Dolly 2 was I typed in something like um, peaceful, tall skeleton, stepping on a city, covered in lush green and flowers in the style of traditional Chinese paintings. Whoa, okay. And um, I love the results. I'll put them on screen, you know, so people can see. And it'll give you four results. And this is a website where you can do, you can type something in like this and get a result 50 times. And after that, you got to pay for more. And um, Mid Journey, which is another one, um, is also paid, but you know, Michael is saying it's kind of worth it because maybe people like the results of that one better than the other. Mm-hmm. And then Stable Diffusion is this new one where it takes a little bit of coding knowledge yeah, to just, do it. It's, it's really easy now, though. So, like a month ago, it was probably a pain, right? Now it's 
you just like click one thing, it tells you the dependencies you need. You install them all, and then you're up and running. Like it, it goes. Yeah. And then if you wanted to make it even easier, like if you want to click it, like it's a program to just make it run, you can, you can make like a bat file, which you just put a couple things in there. I figured it out. It's just like two lines of code, and then now I can just click it and it runs everything for me, and I just open it. Well, see, one thing about um, Dolly Two is that you can't tell it to like make uh, an image of Robert De Niro. It, it won't do that because that's like a real person with a face, right? Um, but something like Stable Diffusion, what you can do is you can say, uh, make Robert De Niro in the style of a Pixar movie. And you know what? If you're willing to make that for me later and we'll put it on screen right now just to show how possible that is. on screen now? Can, can, boom, boom, boom. If you boom, bring boom, up boom, anything... Boom. We'll put this one here. Look at this. It can do that. It can do that. <laughs> You're adding so every single point I now have to put something. <laughs> uh, that'd be great, yeah. Well, I got, I got a lot. I've been going crazy. I have tons of images. Yeah, no. Anytime you say something, I, I feel obligated to put it on screens. <laughs> no, uh, what you're thinking of, too, I know you're talking about the like, image-to-image thing. Yeah. But also, Dream Booth is crazy. Like I know Corridor did a video on Dream Booth, but it's, it's even easier to use now. Yeah. Because before you needed like 30 gigabytes of VRAM and a graphics card, which was nuts. And then someone made it 24. Uh, Mystery Guitar Man. You remember that guy? Oh, really? Mystery Guitar Man was a channel on YouTube for like a really long time. He did music. Little did I know he was like a tech guy. Oh, that's cool. So he worked with Corridor to make a version of Dream Boot that ran on like 24 gigabytes of VRAM. So people with 3090s could run it. Mm. But then the community got a hold of that and then they just made it even better so it could run on 16 and then then 12. And they're still trying to like make it even more, but uh, it's obviously getting harder and harder as it goes down. But it's so crazy to me, like how deep people get with technology is amazing because everyone (laughs) works together. Well, this stuff, well so nice. I, I guess what I'm saying is I have no patience <laughs> to be like an engineer <laughs> like this. So it's just crazy to me that any of this is even possible because it's kind of all through the sheer like willpower of people being really patient and figuring out yeah. like such complex problems. Well, there's also just people who are, there's always someone out there better than you, right? So there's, there's some people who <laughs> yeah. probably just look at it and go, oh I yeah, I could, I could fix that one little part of it. Yeah. Like, you know, because someone who made the original version probably just wanted it to work. Right. And then someone else looks at it and goes, oh, well, there's like this NVIDIA technology where you can use the graphics card for it instead. And maybe they've put that in something else before. So they're like, yeah. oh, I could probably put it into this. Well, here, um, while we're on the topic of stable diffusion, like what's some of the fun ways you've been using it lately? <laughs> uh, I've been dream boothing like people I know uh-huh. and making cool images of them. Uh, so you can take pictures of people you know, and then you can tell the AI mm. to make them in a certain like art style. Yeah. So I like, well, I train it on your faces. Obviously, I'm doing this with their permission. Okay, I'm not yeah. just doing this to random people. Yeah. Speaking of which, we should say this: if you're yeah. making AI shit out of real people, you should have their consent. I mean, I mean, people are gonna do it with celebrities. <laughs> with really famous people, you're kind of a public figure. It's yeah, go- it's, it's gonna just, happen. it's gonna happen anyway. But but with people you know in real life, which, you should which. Speaking of, I thought about get, like getting everyone on the film crew. So like you, Q, Caden, yeah. Josh. I thought about making like really cool stylized versions of everyone well, here, let, let and s- make it a family portrait. Dan knows what I'm talking about. Well, here, let me say this. Michael <laughs> Scott has my consent to make AI art out of me, and I'm not giving it to anyone else yet. <laughs> but you you can go ahead. Yeah, I could I could put you in the Studio well, Ghibli. Okay, style. yeah. Well, here, just to put something on screen. Um, you, <laughs> I tried to do the, uh, the Obama one for you. Yeah, okay. So 
so we'll explain that. Actually, I will. That's a secret. But okay. oh, oh, okay. crap. So, okay. <laughs> Technical Technical difficulties. Okay, so you, okay, you're going to have to do this later, but like on screen, you, you should make me in the style of a Studio Ghibli movie, in the style of a Pixar movie, and then, I don't know, like a Nickelodeon cartoon. That's a little vague. Like what... I wonder how it would do with Spongebob, because I'm not a fish. <laughs> Maybe like Ed and Nettie. Do you think it could make me an Ed and Nettie character? Oh, that would be sick. Yeah, okay, Zane in the style of Ed and Nettie. It might look really fucked up, but... <laughs> nobody on that show has a beard. I, I bet that could create some cursed images, man. Well, nobody on that show like is an adult or has a beard, so it's probably going to get really confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just had to go find the young version of you. I wonder how it would do with South Park. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Because that's, like, such a defined style. Yeah, you'd really have to train, like, some model for that, I think. That'd be really hard to image synthesize that over. Yeah. Mario. Mario. I'm just well, giving you well, work. Well, we already have Chris Pratt as Mario, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, well, people are using AI to replace his voice with a regular Mario. <laughs> Oh, something I wanted to talk about, though, on the topic of AI was, um, yeah, like everyone's using, like everyone's using it just to make images and cool stuff, right? Right. But early on, uh, I was working with Q, actually, on his thing, and I was like, how can I incorporate AI into this? So instead of using it for just making images, which everyone's doing, I was like, what if I use it for VFX? Mm-hmm. Like, what if I use it to create, like, a matte painting? Or at the time, because it was really hard to get a hold of outpainting because like dolly 2 had outpainting it was actually pretty good i think dolly 2 still is like one of the best outpaintings yeah that's kind of what i use it for the most i'll take pokemon cards and i'll expand them yeah i know i love that yeah yeah but i didn't have dolly 2 anymore i used all my prompts so i was like okay what can i do so then i found out that there was this really hard so there was a in painting thing that someone made on github speaking of something really hard to run this thing was so hard to set up but it finally worked and it did pretty good results. So what I did was I used in-painting as out-painting. Like, I tricked it. So you like, you got to explain what that yeah. means to people. So like, out-painting is usually <laughs> when you have an image, and then you, like, tell it outside of the boundaries to, like, recreate it. So what I did was in-painting is usually when you just, like, take a little bit of a mask on something and the image, like, inside of it. So it's basically the same thing. Instead of taking the outside, you're just inside. You, you erase something, you tell it to fill it in with something On new. the inside of it, yeah. So what I did was I just... Photoshop cut it out like parts of the image and then told it to in paint those, but it was an out painting tool. So it was, mm. it was, I don't know, it was confusing, but like it worked. Well, actually, what's like, oh. well, what's funny is actually Dolly originally only in, intended on the feature they had to be used for in painting, but people figured out that if you took an image and then left a bunch oh, of transparency right, yeah. around it, it would fill it in, which is what out painting is. So now Dolly has introduced like, oh, we realize you guys are all using this for out painting. Oh, you don't have to do the workaround anymore? You can just do it now? And you kind of do still because the way they integrate it is, in my opinion, kind of dumb. So I just still do it the way I was. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. It, yeah. I don't even <laughs> want to go into why, but anyways, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what's funny? When you're explaining what that is later, I'm gonna like erase around you, and I'm gonna like <laughs> put you somewhere else. It's I gonna think. be weird with a video. Well, what I can do is Just like pause me. Yeah. Well, what I can do when you're explaining it is I can like crop it. Yeah. And then have all this border around you. Well, see, now I'm just explaining what people just saw, I guess, in theory. But yeah, <laughs> speaking of video, you, part, you guys though, saw it. I, don't I, I can't wait until they find a way. 
to make the video portion of diffusers like like work so you're saying like in theory like there's footage of me and then you can yeah because right now it looks kind of just trippy style transfer yeah you've probably seen like diffusers or people use stable diffusion for videos but it's kind of like trippy like it's just basically each frame is just different image but almost similar yeah so it's always kind of like but if they can like temper what's the word temporal yeah but like between frames they can get it to like be smooth yeah well see the most common the way i found out about stable diffusion is a lot of people were using it to make music visualizers on tiktok where it's this thing where yeah it's like every single frame is just generating like new trippy stuff and it's just like this infinitely like you know just Mm -hmm. trippy thing which is really cool and um I guess like the way you're describing it is like if you could get it to all be consistent in theory you could film me and then train it to like let's say look like Pixar and then the footage of me is just in real time being yeah. turned into Pixar which is really fucking mind-boggling. That feels <laughs> like we, that shouldn't be possible. That really does. <laughs> yeah, no, I that's why I'm so excited though. It's going to change how everyone approaches a project, which I'm I'm kind of sick of the same old, same old. Like, I'm really excited for something different. I will say, though, it is weird territory when it comes to, like, copyright and, like, the rights of things. Because there's there's a lot of artists that hate this shit because they hate the idea of other people using their style. And and, and it's, it's an interesting debate because, see, like, all art that people have ever made up until this point, right? You You consume art by others and then in your brain you're inspired by it and you try to right every artist has been inspired by something yeah and you and you try to replicate the aspects that you like in your own work and so in some ways like our brains have been the processor to like try to and and but now you have a computer using literal like image files to like amalgamate new things and so in theory like i don't know yeah it's weird right like it's it's new we new well i think as far as even handle it i well i think as far as crediting goes if you're like if you're making art and like maybe you're selling it or whatever it is i feel like you should probably credit this was made on an ai model trained by this other person i think so but i also think that a lot of times an artist is so well known that most people already know who it is that you're copying so like if you look at a disney model that's been trained on stable diffusion everyone goes oh that's that's disney yeah you know, so but Disney's not gonna be happy about that. Yeah, but and, and if you do it with a small artist's work, then they're really. But what not if gonna... you did it? What if you did a Disney style animation in Blender? Yeah. Are they still gonna be unhappy about it? I well, mean, that's the argument between making something by hand that's inspired versus using the actual data of someone else's work to create something and yeah that's what i'm saying it's kind of the difference between like a human mind and their creativity versus like a computer like computing something which which the irony by the way i was laughing a second ago because there are people who've made creations with like mid-journey and stable diffusion who are like who are like you're not allowed to use my images to train your models that's so ironic to me i'm like but your model was trained on other people's images there are people who are actually I think there are people who are actually mad that their fake things that they made 
with uh, AI oh. are like, you can't use my images to train models. Like, like mid, they're like, like one guy was so mad that someone made so, the Mid Journey one for Stable Diffusion. He's like, you're not allowed to do that. Mid Journey's terms of services, you can't use Mid Journey images to train a model. And I'm like, Mid Journey trains their stuff on other things. That's like, so funny. Uh, the, you see the irony in some people? Like, it yeah. cracks me up. It's like, neither none of it's okay or all of yeah. it's okay, you know? I think it's funny. Just so you know, we're at halfway point. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's funny. So it's like, you know, people are using this AI stuff to make work. Yeah. And then other people are trying to make AI work with their AI work. And then they're like, that's my art. You yeah, can't use no, that. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's so ridiculous. I'm like, this is, like, this is, I don't know if they're just really young and they're so ingrained in this technology that they're just being dumb. I think there's a lot of people. Or if just, they're <laughs> actually just full of themselves, like they just don't even realize how ironic that is and how silly that is. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Some people uh, don't don't think too hard. Yeah. No, and th- th- it is a really scary time too, because like, yeah, what are the implications? It's so hard because the technology is so incredible yeah. that it completely changes the way that we even really look at art or make art, which in and itself is already like really crazy and scary and new and different. And then it starts making you know you start wondering, okay, well, can you use the style of someone else? Like, I don't know, right? It, it completely change. It makes art accessible to now everyone. Well, so now being an artist might mean something else. You know? I, I get what you're saying. I would argue that art is already accessible to everyone just through like the small nature of, you know, being able to grab like a pen and paper and obviously not that's easier to get than a computer. Right. And, you know, social media, we now have global publishing for free. So in other words, you know, back in the day, getting on live TV, that was like a one in a million chance. And now these days you can go live on a social media platform at your local library, internet connection, like you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. So it's like and <laughs> creating art and publishing it right now is more accessible than ever. Yeah. And like what you're describing is now using radically new technologies to make completely different stuff that's ever been made before. And I think what's interesting to me, like philosophically, is, you know, some people are saying like AI art isn't real art. And I think there's like two things about that for me. It's like, well, one, if you see it, and you enjoy it, and it's something that touches you, and it was made by a, a computer instead of a person, um, do you enjoy it any less? Like, I don't know. Like, for me, I still enjoy it, but there is something weird knowing that a person didn't spend time with their thoughts and their emotions to make it. Well, um, well, yeah, I know what you mean. I like, I like that interpretation of it. And, yeah, and... But I will say, though, there are some people who really do spend a long time making crazy prompts using ai not to say that that's even anywhere near the hard work it takes to draw something like what they're making or to like make a sculpture but but there are people who definitely put a lot of thought into the prompts that they're making and how they phrase them and the things they yeah. use. not that i would say that that's necessarily super difficult but it takes um, intention but, but it takes thought and intention and yeah. a lot of people don't ju- here's the thing i think if you're just making an ai Im- an ai image this is what's going to happen. The market's going to get oversaturated. There's going to be freaking AI images everywhere. And pretty yeah. soon, everyone's just going to not care. Because they're going to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The images yeah. everywhere. Images everywhere. Forget about stock image websites. There, You can just... Images everywhere, right? But I think what that's going to do is it's just going to make artists like try a little harder, right? It's not just, oh, I can make an AI image. Okay, but now you can transfer the style. Mm. Okay, but now you can in-paint it. Like, you can really delve down into it and specialize it 
and make it to where the prompt can't just make that. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting is like, I think what pe some people don't realize is like what I think a lot of people are picturing is like people are typing in um, a robot playing chess in the style of Van Gogh. And here, I'll put that right here. But, <laughs> oh, but, crap. but yeah, no, every single thing I say gives me, gives me like another five minutes of work. <laughs> but um, the difference is like, okay, so I have this shot right here that I did in my music video. I really hope that's here and not here. It's going to be embarrassing if I have to put it here. So what I wanted to do as an experiment is I wanted to like type out like a ton of words to describe this shot exactly and then put that into Dolly to see if I could get like something that looks like the shot I created in real life made by a machine. And so I got really, really specific, right? Like I typed in like wide shot of a young black man wearing a polo shirt, sunglasses, dark jeans, making a phone call, angry at nighttime at a gas station with neon light. And then I put like in the style of like Safdie brothers movie. I put okay. like really, and then I put like 35 millimeter film. Like yeah. I put Kodak, <laughs> you know, really specific. Yeah. And it, I did this enough times with like little tweaks until eventually I got some like really cool results that actually somewhat resembled what I filmed in real life. Hey, there you and go. so that was something where I was trying to recreate something. But then in some other instances, I made some really cool art um, just by thinking of something in my mind that I would like to see. And so I got really specific with it. And that comes down to like the adjectives you use, like dreamy, or you can put like film type, you know, like Kodak mm -hmm. film you know, high angle, low angle, like there's like, so when it comes to like, is this real art or not? Um, sure. Maybe a person isn't like making it painstakingly like brush stroke or, right. but, um, some, you can make AR art with like no thought put into it. Right. Right. Um, or you can like put like an extreme level of intention to get a really specific result. And I yeah. think that that is sort of, well, see, I, I look at it differently than is it art or not? Yeah. I look at the whole thing as the brush. Like, that's just the tool. Yeah. And then, like, some people look at it as the tool to then make the art. I look at the whole thing as just the tool. Because even once you make a, an artwork, right, I, it's kind of hard. I'm not, like, into New Age art or anything. Like, I don't go to... Modern art museums. Yeah. Like, like when I think of paintings, we all think of, like, the old school stuff, you know, Da Vinci, Michelangelo. Like, like those are the ones that are all people talk about and they go and see it in museums and whatnot. I feel like today, if you just make an image, what now? Like, what do you do with it? I feel like now, like when, like concept artists, like concept artists and, and artists are so scared of like losing their jobs, but they, for, they, they, they don't give themselves enough value. It's like, you're not an artist because you can paint. You're not an artist because you can draw. You're an artist because maybe you look at the world a little bit differently and you see art and everything, right? So those skills translate to other things. I don't think they're just because you can draw, because you can paint, right? you know? So, so, so I look at it as the whole thing's a tool and it's just going to provide you more time to now make your art into other things that are part of the process. Like when a concept artist makes concept art, it's not really that useful until it's given to the next person to then make the model, yeah. make animate it. Then the next person puts it into a video game. Boom, now you have a video game. Like you have to do everything else. Now what I think it's gonna do is like filmmakers already struggle with this. Before you had cinematographers, you had directors, you had producers. 
Now when someone comes to you, they're like, I want you to do everything. And you're like, oh, shit. So we had to have tools that make it easier for us to do everything. Now what this is doing is making it easier now for a concept artist to now maybe dabble in modeling because now your concept art can be kind of fast. Open Blender, give it a shot. You didn't have time for it before. Now you do. Model something, animate something. Like now the VFX industry, you kind of have to do everything yourself too now. It's like, oh, you're a compositor and 3D and you have to key it. And you, you know, I heard a term like, for okay. this recently. I for, It was called like job shifting or something like that. And it's the idea of like how the more we're kind of in like a predatory phase of like capitalism and hiring that people are telling people in specialized roles to dabble a little bit in the role next to them. And then it basically changes the job description to where too much is asked of someone when, yeah. when they really should be separate it things. It sucks, but it's, but it's also like, well, it depends on the budget. It well, it depends on the budget yeah. because if you're indie, it makes sense to be doing a lot of stuff yourself, but then it's like, if you're some corporation, it's like, Hey, you know, pay this guy and this guy separately and let them work together. Yeah. yeah. It depends on the budget. Yeah. You know, the thing that's interesting, what you said is, you know, you, you were basically describing how artists can work with AI to make art. And so in other words, the, um, AI generated image, maybe that's not the finished product. Maybe they use that to inspire them to make something else, or maybe they draw on top of it, for instance. Yeah. And so I think what's interesting there also of like what goes into this discussion of, you know, is this real art or not is kind of what you do with it. So for instance, um, you've been using it, um, to get really excited about stuff. The way I've been using it lately is, um, I've been working on some animated projects and I'll have an idea in my mind and, I'll th and I'm imagining it and I'm trying to, you know, create it. And then I think, oh, why don't I describe what's in my mind to an AI, have it spit it out and see if it looks like what I was thinking. And then that'll like actually be yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it should be like this, which is kind of, so in some ways it's almost like I'm like looking into this like mind's eye portal that didn't exist before right. for inspiration. And so what's interesting is like, I'm using it that way. Someone else though, in theory, they could go make an Instagram account say like I'm Dave Smith, the painter, and they could fill out a portfolio, you know, posting a new painting every day for a year, get all this acclaim as this like amazing painter that people follow. And little does anyone know that every single art piece on his page is like made by a computer. And so what's interesting, well, well, even better Zane, you know what I've thought about doing? Well, I'm not saying this is a good thing. No, no. I thought, I thought of a good thing. Do you want to know? Yeah. It's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make a person that doesn't exist. They're not real. Yeah. Make an OnlyFans account. Oh my God. And they're not even real. Could you imagine? I think that's already happening. To no be honest. way. That's such a good idea. I think that's been going on. If people are down that bad, the person's not even real. <laughs> well, I mean, people like pay for like animated porn. Yeah. So yeah, of course that's I'm real. Like, it's not a real person. You're not even hurting anybody. It's not even real. Well, I think honestly, <laughs> it's uh, amazing. Well, so there's been the prevalence of like VTubers, you know, so like virtual. Oh, I never, I don't know any. I never got into oh, it, but oh. I know about it. Oh, let me tell you about that. But I, I, I know all about it because like I'm into animation and stuff. So, and so I'm into the new technologies that they use to do the yeah. VTuber stuff, but I've never actually seen a VTuber. No, yeah. So let me, so I, a few years ago, this has actually like been going on for a little bit. I found out about like this idea of virtual influencers. So, um, 
maybe not OnlyFans, but Instagram, for instance, there's been this prevalent uh, presence of um, CG created fake people who are like Instagram influencers and they genuinely have a ton of followers because people yeah, I've seen that, like yeah. them. Now, some of them look kind of like an animated character. Some look like photo real people. And oh, I haven't seen that. And that's, that's yeah, yeah. And I've, I've seen less of that, but I'm pretty sure it exists. What? So on the other side of that, um, I'm friends with a musician who goes by English. So um, he was formerly Google Translate lady because he uses the Google Translate voice to rap. Oh, you told me about that. Yeah, yeah. so he, yeah. he changed his uh, artist name from Google Translate Lady to English, and he's now personified his rapping character as a, a vocaloid. So he's created essentially an animated avatar that represents the music that he's releasing. Oh, cool. um, and there's And so he's a little bit more underground right now, but there's some really big artists out there who are vocaloids, so like basically these fictional characters that people are making music through. And then finally, um, there's VTubers, which are like Twitch streamers and YouTube yeah, creators. I'm, that I've seen images of. And yeah. Stuff. So a lot of that stuff, some people would argue, is kind of lower quality. I think the one creator that people kind of all agree, she's like the pinnacle, is a Code Miko. So there's this woman who's like very like genius level engineer. She's created like a full CG character named Miko. Wait, I think I know. It's probably the one that I've seen most of like the images of. And yeah. Stuff. yeah. Well, so she's put a lot into the character design and it has like physics, you know, so the hair moves with motion. And what she does is she wears a full motion capture suit and then like she has like a phone to her face to record yeah. her facial motion. It's the only reason I knew about it at all is because I, I'm always looking up new like yeah. motion capture technologies. And so I saw that and I was like, what the heck is this? What, what's, crazy <laughs> about, what's crazy about her is... So she'll stream on Twitch and in real time, her movements and stuff like runs through this character. But there, what's cool is she uh, she interviews people within this virtual space and sometimes they freak them out. She's like, watch this. And she'll like hit a button and her feed turns into like video game mode. And then she can use a controller to have Miko like walk around the room and jump and stuff. And people are like, how are you doing this? How are you real? <laughs> Oh, like in the in the screen grab of the actual room. Basically, within the stream of her sitting there at the desk, which she's controlling through her motion capture suit. I don't know how she does it, but she can essentially hit a button, and then it turns into a like real time video oh, God, game. Oh, like transitions into her actually being able to move around the room. Well, it transitions into like what looks like a third person video game, and then she can like walk through the oh. whole house, and, and people are like, "How is this possible?" You That's know, so. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, no. See, tech. I don't know. Like, people are doing so many fun things, and obviously, it's scary with all the ways people can use it maliciously. But I don't know. I don't know. It's like anything yeah. else. A lot of things can be used maliciously. So we'll have to see. Well, so what I'm curious about with you is like, obviously, you learn all these technologies because they're exciting to you, and also you see the potential and how they can help you make things. So outside of you messing around with technologies. What sort of stuff do you want to make, man? Like, do you want to, like, direct films right now? Like, what do you, like, mm -hmm. if you were given a budget and you could, like, make something, whether it's a movie or a TV show or, like, a cartoon, like, what, what do you want to make? A budget, huh? 
I get my, I get a budget. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving I'm giving you a big budget, and you can make. I get a fucking budget. You can make a little indie movie. You can make a more like what do you what do you want to make mm. as because I, I I do think of you more. Hold on. So what do I like? Just for little fun ideas, or like, I don't know. Well, well, what I'm saying is like I, I have think a lot of, of different movie ideas. I think of you as a director more than a visual effects artist because even though I know you spend all your time in visual effects, yeah. I know I know you do it because you want to direct projects well i know a show or a movie i would want to make yeah while the superhero stuff is still not quite dead yet there's something i've always wanted to make that they have not made it's like one of my favorite shows as a kid i would love to make a static shock show oh yeah like i loved static shock as a kid and it's kind of like the perfect time to make it because we're finally getting more black superheroes and stuff like that yeah and he was like one of the ogs like he's so great yeah and people remember him too. Yeah, Static Shock in the in the the theme song. I think it was it was it Little Bow Wow that sang the intro on one of them. <laughs> I, I, I know think Little it was, Bow Wow like, was in an episode. <laughs> I, all I know is it was such a catchy opener, and I had it as like a ringtone for the longest time on my phone. Yeah, like I just I remember we listened to it together once, and I was like, "This is a good song." Here we go. Yeah, no, it, I put a shock to your system. Like it's <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to do that, but then I also have a lot of ideas from college that I would like to capitalize on. Like, I had this really funny, like, fourth wall breaking medieval, like, movie I wanted to make, and I think it'd be really good as a show now, because it's inspired a lot from, like, The Princess Bride and Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and we haven't really had anything like that in a while. Mm. The only funny fourth wall breaking thing we've had is Deadpool, yeah. which is great. I love Deadpool, but we haven't had a good, like funny medieval thing in a while that i'm aware of and so i would really like to make that uh show a reality yeah i feel like that's something people have tried with and a lot of times it is kind of cringe it can be cringe but i i have a little bit of faith in it because i remember i was in front of uh oh what was that teacher's name oh what they what they teach getting his name i can tell you crazy hair what they teach writing class oh Uh, garabi yeah i was in his class and i remember he had a bunch of us go up and we could like share our story that we wrote yeah i remember that i went up there and i did voices and everything like i was doing all the different characters and the whole class was laughing and garavi was laughing and everybody loved it and then every all of a sudden comrade and my other buddy josh was like like dude i want to help you make that like they were all excited all of a sudden and i was like all right here we go yeah so yeah yeah i was you know i was like the most shy person ever Hmm. and towards the end of high school i was in a few clubs where i actually had to compete like kind of through like giving speeches and stuff which kind of like taught me how to i used to be the you were really shy i was the i was probably the least talkative most introverted person you humanly could have met until (laughs) like about age 16 i was crazy i like if you saw me i'd probably be like this I feel like I'm going the opposite direction. Oh, that's funny. I, I feel like I was super extroverted. And now that I'm all into this tech stuff, I like hunker down and I do my work. And now I'm like, yeah. ah, the sun? No, I, I want to, I'm doing my thing. Something <laughs> I heard someone say once was how like a lot of people's greatest weakness is like their greatest strength working in the other direction, which I think is maybe saying a double-edged sword but with extra steps (laughs) and but the way i look at it is like you know we all have tendencies and sometimes the tendencies that make great things about us they can go in a equal opposite extreme you know so Mm. it's like you and josh right you guys can really hunker down at a computer for like days and get really interested in something right yeah 
and it sounds like we were talking about that today that's why yeah. i'm laughing and, and it sounds like you know for you maybe like intro version is like a side effect of that hmm. but the other way around is like for me like sometimes man like i'm so extroverted these days and like i need attention from other people so bad because i hate alone time right because when i'm alone i have like bad thoughts and i get depressed and anxious oh, that's sad, yeah. it makes it like really hard for me to work on shit like no, i feel that like I, really hard i feel like that would happen to me too but the stuff i'm doing is so time consuming that i have no choice but to concentrate so hard on it i'm gonna be honest i I don't think I like being on the computer as much as I am. I don't. Like, I miss being on sets and, and being around people. I'm definitely an extroverted person. I get energy from people. Yeah, you come forward a little bit. Yeah, I get energy from people for sure. But I, like, have to hunker down for days on this stuff because it's so difficult, at least for me. I don't know. Maybe for some people it's easy. But the VFX stuff is so hard for me that I literally will have to dedicate three or four days on a shot just to even feel like I got anywhere on it. Yeah. And luckily we updated our computers because that was a big thing before. It just took so long yeah, to do Ma anything. Yeah. Michael you know? uh, was very nice and basically told me yeah. exactly what to buy and then did like most of the building. <laughs> and now I have an amazing computer. My old PC is seven years old now and it was really slow. Yeah. Now I have my new one. Poor guy. And I can actually <laughs> work in real time now. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What else we got on the list? I think I we got uh, we got about fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh. What do you want to talk to me about? Well, first off. Yeah. Well, we gotta talk about everything everywhere all at once and how great that movie was. You know, I almost started with that and then I was like, Are two film students talking about this movie the most redundant thing in the world? I just had to say it again. No, yeah. It's it's my favorite of the yeah. year. I know I know some people will probably be like, Oh, you know, not again. But no, I, I, yeah, like that's the kind of movie that makes me excited to see movies, and that's the kind of movie that reminds me why I like making movies. Mm -hmm. It's just so goofy. I love that. Well, it's goofy while also like saying a lot of nice things. Yeah. About society, which is good. Yeah, I mean, there's well, so much to be said about that. I mean, for one, one of the main reasons I got into film was actually comedy, which I think is probably like the least respected genre of film. Really. I would say so because think about it this way: like comedies are not award show movies. Would you say least respected or just least watched? I, well, I that's think, a that's I think, a. I think everyone would agree that comedy is much more difficult. Well, I I think people who think about it would agree with that. But to be honest, I I it's think a million a, dramas, you know. Well, that's the rational way of thinking about it. But honestly, I think a lot of people out there think like, oh, it's a comedy. It's, uh, you know, it's easy to make. You know, you just go film some funny actors and then you have a movie. But then it's like you watch some dramatic drama performance and you're like, whoa, all the work and the art that went into this. But, you know, the truth is, is it's a lot easier to make someone cry than to make them laugh. Because well, I think humans all collectively agree on something that's sad. Yeah. But we all do not collectively agree on what's funny. Well... I don't want to talk about this too much because I could take up our last 10 minutes no, very okay. easily. But just in short, I think when I was younger, there was a lot of really amazing comedies getting made, you know, like super bad or whatever. And these days, comedies, instead of being mostly put out by comedians and good comedy directors and actors, now studios are kind of putting popular actors together like The Rock yeah. and Kevin Hart. And they're making very contrived movies i would say all the comedy now is like woke comedy which i don't even <laughs> i don't even know what it, it's like how do we be funny but not hurt anyone's feelings it's like 
to be honest, like it comes I across as like force. There's a lot of ways to be funny without hurting anyone's feelings, but but they like have to make it like a point, you know, like oh, I don't see? even see. Like, like I I don't even think that's like as much as a problem as some people do. But like I, to me, it's just a lot of comedy. Like you're saying, in terms of being forced, is very contrived. You know, it's like the heat with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy. It's like, why is the star of a comedy movie, Sandra Bullock, for instance, right? I feel like a lot of these comedies are very studio made. I mean, Miss Congeniality is like amazing. I'll be honest. I don't really know anything about oh, that Oh, those are amazing. Those are comedies, but like they're totally up her alley. Like, well, those- here, we, we got four minutes. So I just want to wrap minutes. this. I just want to wrap this up. All I was going to say is that I think a lot of comedies these days suck really hard. And a lot, and I think the best comedies are also really good dramas. I mean, you look at something like Knocked Up or Super Bad; those are really good dramas, and so is The Office. And yeah. so, when you take a movie like Everything Everywhere at Once, that's really silly and hilarious, but it's also extremely heartfelt and like yeah. very, I think, deep. It's a good mix. It's 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 that doesn't happen a lot. It's a good mix. Yeah. The reason we're running out of time is because these memory cards are just going to poop yeah, out at any out, second. Which is a shame. I guess there could be audio only exclusive if we keep talking. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, I didn't get a chance to... Well, first off, we still have to make pirates in space. That's the thing. Yeah, we're making pirates in space, and I will not elaborate any further. <laughs> second of all, now we can use stable diffusion maybe for some ideas. Second of all, oh, yeah. uh, games really quick i'm playing god of war on the hardest difficulty and it's yeah. really hard god of war looks amazing and i wish i could be good at it but every time i try to it's play so i feel so stupid it's okay it's that's the point it's supposed i can't to be hard. do it i think it's harder than elden ring to be honest i see like, like when you play it on the hardest difficulty because they're just like oh we're just gonna throw 15 enemies at you and that's it and i can play like, breath what? of the wild but like i have such a hard time with <laughs> non-nintendo games yeah <laughs> i feel so dumb <laughs> no it's okay I'm playing the new Pokemon, which is a glitch fest. Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about that, but I need to play that. Yeah, so you were saying how like you kind of are in the dark a little bit about the new Pokemon games. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, here's the deal. So it's the, it's the first ever like mainline Pokemon games that are like console and kind of o- an open world. Wait, wait. There's, so they're still keeping with the whole theme of uh, the last one. Arceus? Yeah. Okay, so that's what I'm getting at. So... Sword and Shield were the first mainline games on console, and they were very traditional Pokemon games. Arceus was, you know, how it was. Right, it's different. It it's wasn't different. exactly open world. Yeah, like, yeah. There was a lot. There was a lot that felt missing in those, but the concept of it was amazing. Okay, so so these, they're actually open world. Like the whole thing, you don't, you don't even have to do the gyms if you don't want to. What? You can do them in any order you want. Oh, fun! So, oh, cool! Okay. There's wild Pokemon everywhere yeah wait i like the concept of the gyms being i don't know how they do it in the game haven't played it yet but if the gym scaled with you that would be amazing because then you could feel like oh that's it you could feel like you can go to your favorite gyms when you want and you can work towards just beating that specific gym instead of feeling like you have to fight yeah i just i've beaten one and it was really easy and i was wondering if it's because i went there first or if it's the easiest one well because the whole concept in the show was that people would come over from around the world to fight gym leaders to like prove their worth right yeah so it'd be cool if you could like go back to it when you were ready because that's the whole concept yeah. Instead of being like the guy stand there and be like you uh, you can't nope you, you know the gym bash yeah. 
You're just gonna have to see this like once this episode ends. Yeah. It is possibly the glitchiest release to a oh, game. Crap. It is functioning terribly. It's unfortunate. But it's so fun that oh, okay, like good. people are still playing it. <laughs> oh, you gotta show it to me after this. But like it is, dude, like characters just disappear. People are T-posing. No way. Your people are falling through the game. I've seen that happen, but T-posing? Come on. Why are they like, n- well, what's funny is, is like, social media right now, everybody is sharing their, like... It's gl- like Skyrim. Skyrim had <laughs> bugs everywhere, yeah. and everyone loved it. Well, what's, well, what's great about it is that, like, every single person's glitch is, like, different than the other person's. Like, I keep seeing new oh, no. things breaking in That's the game. That's hard to fix. Um, oh, and then, like, another thing, right? So you have, like, a ride um pokemon now that you ride around on and he can like jump right but there's like certain mountains you're not supposed to get up yet people and so like when you jump up it well when you jump up it you just kind of fall down right (laughs) yeah people figured out that if you just face backwards and jump up it backwards you can get over it there you go so just shit like that where like it's clearly just not optimized to be foolproof like it's kind of it's and honestly like it is really maddening that like Pokemon is the most successful franchise of all time, and then something like Breath of the Wild is like zillions times better than this. But is it a step in the right direction? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it's something different. It's, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. But Arceus came out earlier this year, so it's very clear they rushed this to come out the same year yeah, for was, holiday season. Yeah, I was surprised season. when it came out. I was like, what? There's another Pokemon game? Okay. Well, that's what's crazy is Arceus was a big surprise, and then like so like fast after it came out, they announced these ones. Yeah, they were fast. Yeah. But also, I know that camera had less time than this one, so I'm not sure. Yeah. That's but yeah, no, it was good to talk about AI yeah. and VFX and technology and just, there's so many things that are coming out. It's yeah, it's a fun time to be interested in this stuff. I, f- I, I feel f- like Chuck came in at like the perfect time too, because it, yeah. dude, it's so much easier now and there's so many cool things that if it's on your mind and you can think about it, you can probably make it. Well, I've been starting to take Blender tutorials because I want to start just making animated short films from home. Yeah. Because my my thought is like, you know, as long as you... Yeah, yeah, I want to do what Corridor did when they took the the Spider-Verse style and were able to apply it to video. It it was still a little glitchy, but it was was close. And I'm like, if you can think of like a brand new style that no one's done before... Mm -hmm. And apply it just like that with a style transfer technique. Oh, well, beautiful. What, what's interesting about like filmmaking and like getting noticed these days and being given, you know, an, an opportunity, right? You, you look at somebody like Tarantino back in the day. He was trying to make Reservoir Dogs his first movie. He had like 30 grand and he, and he was like, wow, I can't believe I saved up this much money. Maybe I can fund my own film. And he got really lucky. And somebody was like, hey. Let me option your film around for three months and let me try to find somebody to give you a budget. And he's like, nobody's going to find us, give us a budget. But eventually someone did and he got to make like a more expensive version, right? And, you know, that's like a dream scenario. And then in other cases, you know, maybe you have a short film that's really good or maybe you do self-fund your feature. It does really well. And then, you know, Mr. Hollywood is like, let me give you a check and take a chance on you. And these days with the internet... Some people feel like there's so much competition. How will I ever get noticed? But in, in truth, you can dis- you can publish your stuff globally for free mm-hmm. now. And so it's like, even though there's a lot of competition, if you just make yourself ma- make things, y- you have a shot. And so, you know, as a filmmaker and me wanting to like make bigger stuff and like with my friends like you, 
it's like okay i i, I want to be making live action short films for sure yeah but it's like with visual effects like blender is a free program i could make an animated film a whole film you know like maybe a short but still like from my desk right there and if it did really well on the internet like in theory that could be enough to like launch my whole career and that's just that's just crazy yeah no i mean you could try to make something really good and pitch it to netflix something like that yeah i'm still gonna be making my light bulb thing oh yeah you want to make and an i kind of want to i want to incorporate this ai to try to like help me with the hurdles of certain ideas and what's possible with just me because i'm by myself yeah so I yeah think, i think it'd be cool if you incorporated like real footage and it was kind of a blend that's what i thought about that's what i thought about because i was like wait if i can style transfer the humans in it with like motion capture and whatnot I can put myself in it with like really good animations and all this stuff, especially using like, there's this thing that NVIDIA has, it's called audio to face and it like takes an audio track and and does like facial animations with it. It's crazy. And, uh, there's so much stuff like, yeah, I want to incorporate kind of my own performances with some of the human characters in it, but then use the AI to help me generate the, the objects and the fake like alive things to incorporate them in a style that works. So no, it's an, it's an exciting time. Yeah. I will see your, your animated short film you want to make about this light bulb. I, I, I remember telling you that what it, it reminded me most of was the Pixar short film, the blue umbrella. Yeah. And that, that short film is actually pretty old. I'm pretty sure it played before monsters university in 2011. And I remember at the time thinking this is the highest quality looking thing Pixar has ever made, or at least like photo real because you know, like what's quality. And to this day, like a decade later, I think it's aged incredibly. And I still don't know if it's completely animated or if they used real footage. Yeah. Because it was the first thing they ever made that like looked like footage. But yeah, now, but like Toy I Story mean, 4 has some stuff that looks like photo real. Yeah, as fuck. it does. No, I mean, I think anytime you personify an object, it's it, it, it's amazing. Like yeah. they really figured out that formula pretty early on, and Pixar. then they just rolled with it for everything. And it, it's amazing. Like it works. Yeah. Yeah. Pixar is like the other main reason I got in the film. Originally, I thought I wanted to like work for them, and um, I mean, I would direct something for them anytime. But like you know, I thought maybe I would become like a. Uh, like an anime you can look at you got a camera don't don't look at my camera don't look at my camera oh, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but you know it's like um yeah i, I, I love my it. camera's done no it's still red oh we still red yeah i'm we're surprised but but anyways um yeah it's like i i love pixar and so you know i would watch the little documentaries about them growing up and i always knew like they're separate from disney disney just bought them you know pixar is their own team because I feel like sometimes people talk about like Toy Story, like, oh, that's a Disney movie. And it's like, yeah, like it technically is, but like Pixar is really their own thing. They really are. Disney owns everything now. It's scary. Yeah. They're like, we own, you know, Pixar. We own Marvel. They own Avatar. We'll get you too, Sony. One day. Dude, I mean, with Disney owning Avatar, Star Wars, and Marvel and Pixar, mm-hmm. it's like, if they owned Transformers, like, what else? <laughs> What's next, Disney? Harry Walmart. Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> you can't even buy food at Walmart anymore. All you can buy is Disney merchandise. Yeah, he's off, off that mic a little bit. You're getting Disney a little hot. Disney merchandise. <laughs> can you imagine? You're just trying to get bread and all there is is Buzz Lightyear's everywhere? Well, remember when there was Minions Bananas? That was fucked no. up. No. Minions had more product 
tie-ins than anything what? than any movie in history. Do you remember when Minions came out and every product yeah. in every store had a Minion on it? I mean, I remember it being a big thing for kids, yeah. I, I didn't know it was on, like, every... <laughs> no, dude, you went and bought a banana and there was a Minion sticker on it. I swear right, to see? God. This is how it begins. Let me see what's going on with that camera. I'm actually surprised it's still rolling. <laughs> oh, it says 10 minutes. <laughs> wow. I'm sure that was... Yeah, let me see what's that one. It was that one. No. Technical this dip. one says 36. Boo, dude, let's go. Let's go. See, we're good. We're all good. Right, we got 10 what minutes. What are we worried about? What are we worried about? All right, all right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm joking. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I just realized your shirt has like Wi Fi logos Thank you. on it. That's what I said. I was like, they look like the Wi Fi signal. Is that now what it's supposed to be? I don't know. It's I, just really cool. I think it is. Maybe. We. I just Where'd you get it? Goodwill. Oh, wow. Okay, then. That's <laughs> where yeah. all the good stuff is. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see Josh and I ask him, like, where'd you get that sweater? It looks so good. He's like, Goodwill. I'm yeah. like, they have all the stuff. Yeah, my girlfriend, she, like, sources vintage and she sells stuff, like, out of an antique store and stuff. She, she's oh. all about thrifting and vintage. Nice. Yeah. yeah find good stuff. I need to look there more. She kind of roasts me sometimes for, like, going to Target for pants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have all these like low quality department no! store. Dude, the people get rid of like the best stuff at Goodwill. It's kind of crazy, actually. Well, see, like my pants right now are Class Photo, my brother's clothing brand, and then this oh, is like fun. Teddy Fresh. That is true. You you are rocking the brand. Well, I don't like them because of the brands. I like them because of like the the designs and the color choices, and they're actually yeah. Like... But it's kind of sweet that you're rocking your own brother's. Oh stuff. well, I like my brother's clothes. Yeah. I think they're really good. But my only point there Sponsored. is like. What I <laughs> what I like about like, you know, doing my little brother's clothes or Teddy Fresh is like they're higher quality materials and in theory they will last me a long time, which is a concept I that literally never occurred to me until I start until I started like meeting like clothing people mm. and sustainability people because they talk about that a lot too. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I thought we were running out of time. Yeah, I know. Oh, we got plenty of time. I'm, I mean, we're definitely going to keep hanging out a little bit whenever this ends. Yeah, no, you have to show me the whole glitchy Pokemon. I want to see people T-posing while they're trying to send Pikachu out to fight. See, to be honest, I've been having less glitches than most people, but, like, it oh, does happen. Like, like, Mark went to talk to a guy, and then and then the game wouldn't let him get out of it, so he had to shut the game down without saving. Oh. He was just permanently stuck in the talk box. It's so weird that everyone's issues are separate. That's going to be a lot harder for them to figure out, you know? It's weird because I've seen some people argue that it's because of the Switch, but then I've seen mostly people countering that by saying, like, look at Zelda, look at Xenoblade, you know, look at all these powerful games that the Switch can run. Yeah, well, you know what? The way to figure that out is if it's the Switch or not is to run it on an emulated Switch. That's what I was going to say. And if it runs well, maybe. That's what I was going to say is I saw this one guy on TikTok and he was showing how it runs perfectly fine on an emulator. Mm. But what's weird about that is that means in theory that the game is just optimized really poorly because the graphics on it are kind of like, eh? Like Arceus? Yeah. And, and something like Breath of the Wild, which has stunning graphics, runs amazing on the Switch. So like... Mm-hmm. No, it's kind of... I think it's because Game Freak is like doing this whole new idea, and because of that, 
I don't know. It's new to them, like, I their guess. Their engine or whatever they're doing is like completely different. Because it's kind of a bummer to hear that the world's kind of empty still and not that great. Yeah. They really need to make the inline Pokemon games their main series. They need to take the artistic style and the beautiful cities and the way that they organize those with those engines. They need to take that and just be like, blap, just blap, just blap it in. Plop it into the mechanics of Arceus. Just boom, done. Beautiful well, game. Well, that's what this game is trying to do yeah but it's like nowhere near as beautiful or functional as zelda oh that too yeah that's what i'm saying it's like you know because obviously you know yeah i miss all the puzzles too like like in the old pokemon games because it was top down or isometric kind of view yeah they they had all these like interesting ways of dealing with the terrain so you'd have to have like different pokemon to break things do things they didn't really mess with that too much in Arceus because it's like this whole open world 3D thing. So you just kind of catch Pokemon. Yeah. If they can just incorporate different kinds of puzzles, because I'm sure like uh, like Breath of the Wild has tons of puzzles and interesting things. Here's how yeah. I would see it from like my child imagination. This is what I would most want out of that, right? So in Breath of the Wild, Link, he can kind of terrain anything, right? Which is really cool and fun that, you know, you can climb any mountain, right? And in Pokemon, like what you're describing, you would use, like, strength to push boulders around and get through the terrain. I think the open world version of that for Pokemon, that would be really cool. It's like, think of it in the show, right? Ash had to use Bulbasaur's Vine Whip to, like, climb up something. So in theory, it would be really cool if, like, an open world Pokemon the different moves that your Pokemon have could like interact with the environment. Like you could like, if you like, for instance, maybe there's an area you can only get to by having a fire Pokemon burn something down. Yeah. But you know, from a game making standpoint, it's so hard because they're trying to add so many Pokemon that it's an animation nightmare. What they need to do is just stop making more Pokemon. Stop it. (laughs) We don't need an ice cream Pokemon. Okay. (laughs) Stop doing that. That's dumb. Stop making more Pokemon. Just keep with the original 151 or like the 251 or whatever. Yeah, get, get, Gen 3 is the best. Let's get up to All that. right. Gen 3. I'm just trying to make it easier on them. But like just less Pokemon, more animations. So then you can do cool stuff. Like you know how you can usually see your Pokeballs on the side? Like how many Pokemon you're carrying? What if you're like walking in a cave and you can just boop, boop, and you can like switch those on the fly with like a shortcut key while you're running? And then like if you see a boulder in front of you, your Pokemon, you'll actually throw out your ball and he'll come out and he'll like break the boulder and then go well, back into your you Pokeball. you could do that in Arceus, but then they took that away in this game. <sighs> well, see, okay, in this game, you have to pause to get to it. Instead of having it on screen to just cycle through really fast, yeah. now you have to pause, choose your guy, no. and then unpause. I want to feel like I'm actually a boy running around with Pokeballs on his waist. That's what and I got to throw want. them out and just break things. And the thing is, is like we're closer than ever to that, yeah. but we're just still not quite I'm gonna, there. I'm going to be honest. Game Freak needs to let whoever made Breath of the Wild make it. That's what I've been saying for so <laughs> long. And like people, I'm just going to say it, like these no, I don't want to say that. But these Pokemon people, like they'll, you know, they'll be like, "Oh, well, that's not how it works." I'm like, "I know it's not how it works," but I'm saying in a perfect world, yeah, if you could have the Breath of the Wild people work on Pokemon, like we maybe would get the game we deserve. Yeah, well, we'll see what they do. I think Game Freak is just trying something so new that they haven't done that they don't they don't know how to like work with this engine that they've made or whatever it is that they're doing. I just I just think they're used they're not used to it. So they have to yeah. figure it out. but Yeah. I was going to say nerds earlier, but I'm a Pokemon nerd. 
It's just, oh, you know, nice. I don't know. Sometimes people like they'll get very into the like, well, actually, here's how. And I'm like, I know. I'm just complaining. Yeah, <laughs> you don't no, got to tell me why games it's not is hard possible. and it's it time is. consuming. It and Game Freak probably isn't assigning enough people to those games. Oh, your camera's about to be done. Oh, no. How do you know? It's blinking. <gasps> you can't see it from your perspective. Well, thank this you, was, Zane. Yeah, this was good. We'll do it again. It was good. We will do I'm it. I'm sorry it's taken so long. I know. That's why I forced you to do it today. I'm really <laughs> trying to make myself like start doing things that I tell myself I don't have time that's, for that. That's why I forced you to do it today because I was feeling it and I was like, nope, yeah. nope, we got to do it. No, and so. you and I have a bunch of comedy sketch ideas. We, we, have, a we have a lot more to talk about. So I have so many freaking perspective. Pro- like I have all these music videos ideas with people. I have comedy sketch ideas like with you. I have like short film ideas like with you and other people. Yeah. Like, just so, like, it just takes one of us to get the ball rolling. So that's why yeah. I was like, you know what, Zane? Well, I'm coming over. One, one thing that I've been thinking about lately is like you think of an artist with an amazing filmography or discography, right? Like Tarantino's movies or like somebody's albums, right? And it's like, that's just the catalog of what they got to make. Sometimes I think about like my filmography, right? Like the, the stuff I've made and like what I'm proud of. But then it's like... point, yeah. It's just what we know exists. But that's the thing. It's like all the stuff in my head, I'm like, oh, like if I made this, it would be really good and people would like it. So it's, it's kind of crazy because like in theory, like somebody's filmography could be 10 times bigger if you looked at their ideas. You no, know? I know. Like, I have so many ideas in my head. Like, I know the soundtrack. I know when the music plays. I know what the characters look like. Yeah. Oh, am I? Am I? I'm donezo. 48 seconds. Oh, I was just going to say, like, it's all there in your head, right? So you just have to make it. And uh, take advantage of it now while we're all not married and have time. Look right here. Look right here. If you want to learn Blender... You have 30 seconds. You come to my channel. Yeah, what's your channel? <laughs> Final Great Effects. But it's really hard to find it. So you have to put a link in right the here, description. Right here, right here. Put a link. Well, you consider link. changing your name to be easier to find on YouTube. Probably. <laughs> At some point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Final Great Effects. Do it. Subscribe. You want to do like a visual effect thing? Link. Thing. Stuff. AI. Five. Four. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Alright, now I'm still going. <laughs> oh, I'm not supposed to look at it though. Oh, I'm blurry. <laughs> right. That was good. <laughs> yeah. Can I just hit space? Uh, where the balls is that? Oh, there it is.